Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as-built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as-built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF23. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey, and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Steve Barkhouse of Amstead Design Build. Amstead is a full-service residential design build company, and Steve started the company back in 1989 and has steadily grown to over 60 people. Steve really identified a need for a company that addressed an increasingly dissatisfied consumer by providing reliable, knowledgeable, consistent, high-quality workmanship, and great value. Now for my conversation with Steve Barkhouse. Hey, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks, Spencer. It's exciting to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. And I guess just give everyone a little bit of context. Who are you? What's the company? And where are you guys located? Sure. The company is Amstead Design Build, located in Ottawa and Brockville in Ontario, Canada. And uh, yeah, mostly renovations, remodels. We have a home care department and we, uh, we do some custom homes. Right on. Cool. When did the company start? How did it all get going? It started in 1989. And obviously, Spencer, through a, a very diligent and well-thought-out plan. And, of course, and, yeah. You know, went into business knowing exactly what we were doing and when. No, no, that wasn't it. It was graduating from university and in 89. And then those old guys out there that might, and old gals will remember, 89 was the beginning of a very difficult recession. This interest rates we see now are nothing compared to the 24% we had around here at that time. So it was tough. I had a job lined up and got fired before I got hired. And came home with a pouty face. And my dad said, well, suck it up, buddy. Get out there and get a job. You just graduated from university and you must know something. So put it to use. And he was kind enough. Actually, my father, a kind gentleman, took my sports car because I was a framing carpenter through school and put myself through and paid everything off. Had all kinds of money and bought a really cool sports car, which I'm sure is why my wife just decided to marry me. But my dad was good because we lived at a farm and my dad said, well, you can't go start a business in construction with a sports car. People aren't going to want to see you pull up in that. So he traded it for my mom's beat up old truck. And off I went with my tool bag and beat up truck and set out on my own. That's awesome. Yeah. So once you had the truck, 
what was the next move? How did you land your first customer or start getting yourself out there? Yeah, well, there was really no stopping me. I, I borrowed a whole bunch of money from friends and family, and I'm sure they were worried, but bought a property and severed it. But I couldn't afford to kick out the tenant. So I had a house on one side and vacant land. So I wanted to build a new house. And that's what I thought the business was that I was going to get into. And I couldn't kick out the tenant because I couldn't afford it. And the remodeling side of it was much more satisfying than building a house and trying to sell it in a recession. After that, I just sort of started doing small job decks and fences and, you know, the routine, anything you could get and did that probably for a year or so and got my best friend to help me on evenings and weekends and then suckered him into joining the company two years later, full time. And he'll still tell you to this day that he had a promising career in retail management that (laughs) that he gave up and he'd be a multimillionaire by now if it wasn't for me. But he's doing okay. We had some fun along the way. It's difficult in a recession, but you learn a ton of great lessons. You don't, there's no room for failure there. So you know that you have to please absolutely everyone. You've got to do a great job no matter what it costs. And we were able to hire some wonderful, wonderfully talented people. We hired three guys right off the bat and then a young lady shortly thereafter. And they were with us. Well, all of them were with us over 25 years. So some have retired, but we still have one one guy that won't retire. And we're glad of that. He's he's our mentor for everyone else that we bring in. But Trim Carpenter, absolutely fabulous. So yeah, just doing quality work and trying to build a, a reputation and a brand. And, and we did that probably for 15 years, grew the company slowly and kept doing that. We In 92, though, three years in, we decided that we needed a base of work that we could rely upon. And so we got into the insurance restoration business and opened up a separate company to do that. And my business partner, best friend, did that for the last 25 years, I guess. And so that gave us that base of business that we could rely on, that we could then you know, pay a little bit for marketing and expand into different markets and uh, go from there. And then I guess about 15 years in, we decided that maybe it was time to try and make some money because this charity work was <laughs> getting old. <laughs> I was a little tired. I was tired of my wife making a lot more money than I was. And keeping us rolling. So we joined RA, RER, Remodelers Advantage, and for the sole purpose of learning how to do design build. And mm. went in there, had some wonderful people help us, and hopefully we were able to sh- share a few nuggets with them and learned the design build process from the inside before we dove into it. And yeah, we've come a long way since then. We're 54 staff right now. We do, we have five locations in our area, cover a significant area, geographical area. Yeah, last year was our, our best year ever. So it's exciting times. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, you just mentioned kind of where you are today, but we're going to go back a little bit. So maybe the first, you know, five, six years, something like that. What do you think surprised you the most about owning and operating your own own business? I knew it'd be hard work. I grew up on a farm, so hard work wasn't a big deal. I guess, honestly, the the excitement of it all. I was surprised after coming out of school, thinking I was going to work somewhere for five or six years, and then think about starting my own business, how totally immersed in the business I got. And you know, you talk about working 70 hours a week until midnight to get a quote out and all that. And we were doing all of that, but it wasn't, it wasn't a burden and I thought it would be. So yeah, having my best friend in there a couple of years in helped a lot. Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest surprise was that you know, after sitting around for a few years in a chair behind a desk at school to be able to get out there and work those long hours and you know, pleasing people was was super exciting. And so we were good at that. And I think that surprised me the most probably. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. It sounds like you really just, yeah, got super immersed with it and yeah, fell in love with it early on. What do you think 
today, Steve would tell the Steve that was, you know, five years in, you know, something that you've learned along the way that you wish you knew a little bit sooner? To be a little bit more bold, a little more courageous. We had some great ideas that we sat on for a long time. Now we had some great ideas that we tried and lost all kinds of money on too. So I want to be a little bit careful there, but don't, don't fear that. I look at where we are now. I don't think about, you know, the time that we talked ourselves into opening up a retail store, you know, 30 years ago. So arguably we were ahead of our time or just out of time and lost a million dollars, which was a lot of money, but learned a tons of, a ton of lessons there to stay focused on our core business and make sure that we had that nailed and that it was running smoothly before we ventured into something else. But then to have that courage to, to venture into something else and maybe the confidence that, you know, we are as good as, as our clients are saying that we are, and we can expand on that. Yeah. And then people, there's, there's just, I think we were lucky for the people side of it because we knew when we had good people, they were available to us in a recession because nobody had work. So we were able to get great people. I don't realize, I don't think that we realized at the time how fortunate we were. Obviously that's become more difficult as time has passed, but we already knew what great people look like and the difference they could make to the company. So we didn't settle and we've been able to build a really strong team and really invest both in that team and in the recruitment. So I know people are talking a lot about it now. And you know, if you started when things were a little easier, you didn't learn that lesson. And it, it's just embedded in who we are as a company and, and how we run our business to focus on our people and recruitment at all times. So that's helped a ton. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm curious too. I find that over, you know, a business path or journey, there's usually like a couple of big inflection points. It could be decision you made or transition or a key hire or a new system you put in place or something. Any moments like that come into mind? Yeah, I guess a few. I think, you know, hiring those three great staff, we had a framing carpenter, a trim carpenter, and a utility guy, we called them, and they could do absolutely anything at a high level of quality. So, you know, again, we're a bit lucky on that front, but I think that was huge. Having that base of business through insurance, when times are tough, there's more insurance claims. And when you break into that industry, you can, you know, if you're willing to work hard, you know, we're giving good pricing and do good quality, insurance companies loved you. So we got that base of business that really allowed us to buy some equipment and get a truck and or a second truck and things like that. So I think that was probably a strong decision. And then, like I had said, the design build transition, but realizing that the margins that we were getting we were competitive, but they just weren't enough and that we had to come up with something a bit more unique that really provided a higher level of service that we could then charge more and get our margins up. So I would say those are three early on. I know that there's been a few more since then, whether it's software or operating systems that we've started to use in the last, say, five, 10 years that that have made a big difference as well. But yeah, those are the big three at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. A lot of people mention the shift to design build and I feel like it, yeah, for a number of reasons, I feel like is often a big inflection point, but that's good to hear. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, Really, since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, 
We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. What do you think has been maybe the toughest part about growing a business? I like to say it's all roses and sunshine, but it's not. You know, my wife always says that I'm never happy. So I'll come home and I'll complain. And oh my gosh, we have so many leads and we can't keep up with it. I don't know what to do. And I'm stressed. Then I'll come home and say, oh my gosh, we don't have any leads. I don't know what we're going to do. I'm so stressed. And she said, there's no, I can transition from one to the other, but it doesn't seem to be an in-between. So I guess, you know, I think it's with any business. Our business is, is a challenge. We have a lot of things that are outside of our control and we're small business. So we're impacted by the interest rates that we were just talking about or the weather or the economy or a war in a country far away. And all of those things really impact our clients and prices of materials and all of the things that are really outside of our control. But yeah, I guess overcoming that stress and, and just that mental health side of things being more resilient was probably the biggest challenge. What about any like wacky client stories or crazy off the wall projects or anything like that that's that's come up over the years? You can go back in time as as far as you want, but usually there there's something. So anything you can share with us? Yeah, well, you know, even in business as long as we have, there's there's lots of those, and I think you're kind of hinting at you know the mistakes. What are the mistakes that we made? And this podcast is not long enough for all of the mistakes that we've made, but I'm happy to share them with anybody. <laughs> so yeah, we've had some, I guess, really learning opportunities are the things that stick with me. So we've made a ton of mistakes and we've had tons of fun along the way. Don't get me wrong, but we did a, a renovation for a couple that had a child in, in a wheelchair with cerebral palsy and we renovated their entire home and we put the elevator right down to the basement and we made the kitchen so that they could pull up and do the dishes and participate. And the letter that they sent us afterwards of the importance and how we've transformed their child's life that outside that front door life is just such a struggle, but inside they have three other kids and they're just one of the kids. They have to help with dinner and they can, and they have to get down to the basement and clean up and they have to make their bed and they have to do all of these things that we've, you know, allowed or, or constructed solutions for. And, and that was really big because not only for that individual situation, but just to remember the importance of, customer satisfaction, which is what we built the business on. And this was a little bit later in our career that, you know, to get a reminder of that and have the importance and just the responsibility that we have for transforming people's lives that they pull up every day and are, are thrilled when they pull into the driveway. So that was pretty cool. We've made some big mistakes and lost lots of money, lots of lessons there. Don't recommend losing money. There's easier ways. Yeah. And some, you know, lot, lots and lots of, of fun stories of, of, you know, great clients and mistakes that turned into features and 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 all kinds of stuff like that. But yeah, thirty five years it's it's too much to remember everything. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure some go by the wayside over time. But 
That's super cool. Yeah, those are the I feel like those are the moments as an entrepreneur that are like, okay, keep going. It's worth like yeah. the, the challenges, right? Like you get that note from from that family and you're going, okay, we're like, we're really it's above just we're running this machine, like we're actually impacting people in a real way. way. So yeah, that's yeah awesome. I think it reinforces your belief in in humanity and, and your community. We had another client just quickly that uh, we had to go through this variance procedure and it, it was very involved and the community wasn't keen on it, but it was kind of not my backyard syndrome and, and we don't believe in that. And so we were really working our way through following all of the regulations, but there was a bit of a pushback from the community association, the community in general. So we went to the minor variance hearing and made our presentation because we had to go first. And then the community spoke and said why they didn't want it. And there were no legitimate reasons why they didn't want it other than they just didn't want it. And the panel was about to rule in our favor. And my homeowner said, just can we stop for a minute? And I'm like, yeah, okay, we can just a minute. We asked for a recess. He pulls me aside. He says, him and his wife, and they brought their kids and they really needed this addition. And they said, look, we've heard the community and we want to be good neighbors. Let's go back to the drawing board and, and redesign this. We can achieve a lot of the things that they want us to achieve, You know, make it smaller, do a bunch of different things. And we want to do that. So we want to pull out our minor variance, which they've paid for, we've prepared for. And I thought, wow, that, that's really cool. So uh, yeah, another one of those moments where you just sort of sit back, you get caught up in the moment and you think, okay, we're doing the right thing. And you sit back and just see someone that, you know, steps up and to that level, it inspires you. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And it shows you that there is still a lot of, a lot of great community aspects out there in the world. So <laughs> yeah. What about today? Kind of what are your guys' future plans for the next, you know, few years? What is the company trying to do? Yeah. So COVID, like go figure that out. 2020, in February, our accountant was traveling in Europe or, or Asia, and he called us and said, look, there's, there's this thing coming, man. You, you guys got to button her down. So we sold one of our warehouses, made good money, thankfully. And we really started to button down everything that we could, looking to find savings and started looking for suppliers and things like that. And then COVID hit, and it, we actually went and bought another location in Brockville, which is 50 miles away from where we are. And mm. so that we could cover the geographical area between the two centers so that we thought we'd expand our market share and our geographical area so that we could weather this real downturn that was coming. And of course, the opposite happened and things took off, but we were able to pivot quickly. We didn't do anywhere in between the two areas, but we were able to manage the volume in the two areas and do so quite well just because of the strength of the company. And we use EOS, so we have a opera, the entrepreneurial operating system. And so we have a, a really strong vision of where we're going to be in 10 years and in three years and what we wanted to do. So I think that really helped us through the transition of COVID. We were able to take a leadership role because of the size of our team and, and in sort of mental health. And we've shared, we did a full day seminar on mental health to give our team resilience. And we've shared that with the industry and that's out there for anybody. And we feel good about being able to share that. But being able to get supplies because of our connections over the last 35 years to be able to have great staff. And we actually, we grew last year in staff, which is a huge transition for us and a real growth year for us. We don't usually like to grow more than 10% a year, but we grew 40% last year and we're looking at another 30% this year. So it, it, yeah, it, it goes against all the rules, 
But I promise we've looked into this. We got all <laughs> our bases covered. We, you know, we got money in the bank. We're, we're trying to be careful here. And we're able to hire some really great people just because of our affiliation with the local college. So all of the, the planting of seeds that we did over the last 35 years is really coming to fruition now. We're able to harvest it. And just knowing that now's the time to harvest, that things are going to turn and they're starting to turn now. We're going to get 20 through 23 strongly. We're, we're just over 21 million in sales in 22. We're going to 29 in 23, but we have one big house that's just over 6 million. So that's a big piece of it. And I think we're down to about 24 in 2024. So realizing that there's going to be a slowdown and then down again the year after and then creeping back up again. I don't believe that there's going to be a tremendous recession. I think that the rates are already starting to fall here in Canada, the interest rates. And, and so that's going to make a big difference. The stock market is starting to climb back up. So uh, the, all the signs are showing we have a tremendous pent-up demand for housing. I think it's in the States as well. And I think that's going to come through. I hope it holds off just a little bit because my daughter's got to buy a house and she can't <laughs> afford it right now. So if the rates could drop by the end of the year and the housing prices drop, then she's got about a week to buy a house and then away they go again. <laughs> yeah. You know, the the all the people that I follow, they seem to think a good timing to buy a house will be about Q4 this year. So that might line up just right. So (laughs) fingers Uh, crossed. Yeah, no, that's cool. Well, I'm also curious, just obviously the last couple of years have been bonkers, you know, for the industry and a lot of change. Like, what do you think are the big challenges that are going to be facing our industry over the next couple years? Honestly, we're just going to take COVID out of the equation. And they're the same challenges that we had before COVID. People? We, we've not done a good job in our industry of, you know, encouraging people to move into our industry. I know Canada and I think in the States as well, <laughs> I was going to say immigration, but you guys just open up the wall in a few places and it seems to self-correct. But really getting people in that can do the trades, that want to do the trades, that realize what a wonderful life that they can have for themselves. I know that my dad discouraged me from getting into the trade and or into the industry. He was in work for a big builder, but thought, no, I'm going to go to university and do something else. And I looked at him and, and his life and my mom's life, and they had a great life. My dad went to work with his friends every day. They build cool things. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because he didn't want me to join, and I did. And of course, I'm trying to encourage my son and daughter to join, and there's no way they're having any part of it. Classic, right? Yeah. You, you should have done the opposite, right? Yeah. Yeah, Kids yeah. do no, the opposite. No, you don't want to work for this business. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> exactly. So we'll see. Maybe they'll come around. Yeah, I think we're back to people's huge. I think that the you know materials supply, it, it will self-correct. And things are, you know, everything's humming right now. We just need some time to, to catch up. And I think that the demand in for our product, for our service, is going to remain strong. We've been, you know, we've broken all the rules of the peaks and valleys every 10 to 15 years over the last 50 years and, and really hung on there high. And, and COVID probably should have been the dip that didn't occur. And we're going to get a little dip now, but yeah, it sure seems to, I think we're going to look at a 10 year, 15 year span of, of a pretty significant plateau. And that's really exciting, but there's going to be a dip and it's going to work in our favor in that the strong companies are going to stay strong. The the companies that started when things were great, I don't know how to pare down and, and make those difficult decisions. We've had a bankruptcy of a big company here in Ottawa two weeks ago that hit the press and a lot of people losing their deposits and such, and that's going to happen. But that cleans up the industry. Trades have been difficult to get. They're going to come back to the places that pay them and where they had the relationships, and we'll be able to build some new relationships. 
So I, I think all of that's going to be good. And I'm um, kind of rambling here, Spence, you got to jump in. I think that <laughs> really the people and everyone's talking about it, but it's going to be the people and it's going to be the people that invest in their people and invest in recruitment and do so as a line item in their budget every year that are going to be successful. And uh, you know me, Spence, I'm not the sharpest tool in the drawer, but it's working for us. So if it can work for us, it can work for everybody. I don't think so. I don't think that's the case. I, I think you guys know that you're doing a lot of things right. But And I also don't think you're rambling. I, I mean, I think there's just, we can glean so much wisdom and you know vantage points from everyone that's sharing kind of what's going on. Like that's what you're seeing. Like you've you know, like you said, been in business for 35 years, you've seen some different cycles, you've seen this from a lot of different angles. And so, yeah, I would imagine a lot of people listening would like to see what your vantage point is. So I appreciate you kind of just diving into what you think the next couple of years will will be. And I guess on that note too, Steve, is just, there's a lot of other remodelers out there listening. If you could leave us with parting words of wisdom or one last piece of advice, what would you want to say? Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think of something that's a little more general because obviously there's different people out there with different size companies. I know one of the successes that we've had is is having a business partner. So if you don't have a business partner, which a lot of companies don't, I recommend getting into sort of a peer group. It's a lonely job with two of us. I, I can't imagine how lonely it is with one. And there's some difficult decisions to be made coming up. There's going to be have to be some staffing cuts. There's going to have to be some, you know, trade relations that, that that you're going to be able to set that bar a little bit higher moving forward, and and uh, you know who you're paying this week. We're going to go through a little bit of that coming up, and uh, having been through it a couple of times and at a, a deeper level, I, I don't want to gloss over it. Those are difficult, difficult decisions that could be very stressful. So having someone that you can talk to about that and share that, and I've never found anyone, and and. You know, my wife's fantastic to bounce things off of, but really anybody that if they're not in the industry that truly understand and can call bullshit, right? They can yeah. say, you know what, that no, that's crap. You can do this, or you have to do this, or if you don't let those people go, you're going to ruin it for everybody. And they always get it. So, and then just really be bold and and keep your focus on your your clients, give them a wonderful experience and the experience that they're looking for. Find out what experience they are looking for and then give it to them. So be a good listener. Ask what they're looking for. Don't just, I know the mistake we made once we got going was that we got this great process and it was working really well and clients were happy. And so we just jammed it down everybody's throat and it wasn't for everybody and everyone's different. And so we had to get back to saying, you know, here's our process. Here's why we use it. Now, what are you looking for? What resonates with you and what doesn't? And then how can we tailor or personalize our service so that we give you a wonderful experience? And then when you don't, fix it. Fix it quick. Take responsibility and get it done. So be bold and and, and courageous. I like it. Yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, that's great advice. And Steve, I really appreciate you carving out the time and sharing your story with us today. Well, thanks for having me, man. I love the podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.